Welcome to the Past Life Awakening Institute podcast. I'm Mark Beale, a past life regression therapist and trainer. Each episode shines a light on healers who practice spiritual regression therapies like hypnosis and hypnotherapy with regression to this life, past lives, between lives and spirit releasement therapy. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in any of these modalities, go to my pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com website for details. So thanks for watching and enjoy this episode. Today, my guest is Karen Van Crete. She practices spiritual regression therapies, including hypnotherapy, past life regression, spirit releasement, and between lives therapy. She's located in San Francisco, Marin County area, and she does sessions worldwide online. Karen was brought up in San Francisco in the 1960s. She's the daughter of beat musician parents, and she's lived in San Francisco her whole life, where she was involved in the Berkeley Psychic Institute from the early 80s. And she's led workshops at the Sanctuary and Shamanic Retreats. She's moved from being a psychic healer to doing spiritual regression therapies. Her website is Golden Sun Healing West, and we can find out about her life now as a therapist. So enjoy this podcast. So hi, Karen. Good to see you again. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. You've got a lot of case studies and uh, clients that you work with. So you'd be able to explain to us and demonstrate how past life regression and all these spiritual therapies work. But first, I'm curious, how did you arrive on the healer's path? Well, I would say that I was kind of born to it because I started having uh, what you might call spiritual experiences from a very young age and all my life. I thought today I would tell one of my stories that leads into a past life or actually a between life regression that I had. I was about nine years old and I was sitting on the floor holding a toy. My parents were nearby in the kitchen making dinner and my brothers and sisters were around me. And um, all of a sudden the scene around me became transparent and I could see right through it. And this would be like 1958. And I saw a river of energy. And on the other side, I saw woodsmen with cloth caps and an old grandma with a babushka holding a little girl with braids by the hand and soldiers with machine guns lining them up. And I saw the soldiers kill them. And there I am. I don't really have anyone to talk to about this. I just kind of notice it. And as I thought about it, as I got older, I came to decide that perhaps I was exactly that little girl's age in this life that I had been in that life when I died. But then what happened when I was 40 years old, uh, I spent a year praying for a mother who loves me and a vision of the goddess. And I thought I would have two different experiences. One would be a vision of the goddess as some beautiful golden creature. And a, I thought I would find an older woman to mentor me. And that would be the mother who loved me. Well, one day I'm driving to my job. It's like an hour commute through country roads. I have my coffee to go cup. I'm driving in a relatively straight area. And suddenly out of the blue, there's a white mist right here. And in the midst, in the mist is the grandmother with the babushka. Suddenly I'm 
wide awake and I'm just experiencing this intense love from the grandmother Nalushka and intense love from me back to her. And I start crying, a waterfall of tears just instantly flow from my eyes. And I would have to say that I felt divine love. I experienced divine love. I would say it's far beyond unconditional love. It was just an incredible experience. I no longer ever grieved for a mother who loved me. And I also believe that was my vision of the goddess. So I got both of them in that one six second, <laughs> whatever it was, interval as I was driving uh, to work. Okay, and that's great. So there's a spontaneous past life experience when you're only <laughs> yeah. nine years old. And, uh, and, and then there is like spiritual awakening experiences where you have like a conscious intention and you think I'll ask for this or that, but then what you get is something beyond, not really exactly what you asked for, but something far beyond and, and, uh, and, and, and enlightening, uh, in, in a way. So, have the, yeah. So is that, is the more to that story? Well, yes, there is, because then, uh, as I was, um, getting into your programming, program mark, the uh, Past Life Awakening Institute, I was doing a between life regression session um, with another person. And so we went to a, a past life death. And I went to that death, it wasn't planned at all, because um, you don't pre plan where you're going, you, you discover it along the way. So there I was, uh, holding the hand of the grandmother, with the men, the soldiers, I could see the countryside and the trees. And I felt getting shot. I didn't feel the pain, but it knocked me backwards. And I felt the emotional pain. And the grandmother was right next to me and I felt so much love for her and I was sobbing and she died before I did. And I felt incredibly alone in the world. And then here she came back as a spirit and took my hand and pulled me out. And we went up, up, up. We went through like three layers of dark black clouds and then broke out on the top. And it was this plane of white uh, clouds, just incredible white clouds and blue sky. And I ended up healing a past life in ancient Japan. <laughs> Okay, and so this happened uh, relatively recently in a between lives regression session. Is that right? Yes, that happened uh, within the last year. Okay, mm -hmm. and so and that was with a fellow student of the Past Life Awakening Institute. Correct. Yes. Okay, so you're doing sessions what with fellow student. That's fascinating because I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people think, "Wow, I've got this sacred uh, memory of being a child and having something," but then going, "What does that mean?" and and then at 40, there's another awakening uh, episode of grace and people have these experiences and go, this is a, another important thing that's in my life. But then at this stage of your life, you've done formal uh, between lives and past life regression and you're able to access those two really important times, uh, recall them, uh, have the spirit of that follow through and then be able to learn more about them and resolve them. It's a big part of what we can do with these regression therapies. So that's wonderful that you've got that thread throughout this life and then how these regression therapies have managed to sort of bring it together. So is that, is that, is that how you'd see it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be gifted those experiences. Ah, Very special. Fa 
That's fantastic. So have there been any other personal past life regressions that inspired you to become a spiritual regression therapist yourself? Well, yes. Um, when I first found your site and you have the classes, there's some classes that are available. You're practically giving them away. And which one, I forget which one it is. I actually signed up and took all of them as my introduction into what you are doing. But um, so I was listening to your uh, audio, a um, induction of relaxing and then going up to a mirror and looking in the mirror to get a glimpse of myself in a past life. Well, the first image I saw was a Neanderthal man and behind him a woman and behind her a woman. And my first instinct was to go, no, not the Neanderthal man, I'll go with one of the women past lives that would be familiar. And then I heard your voice say, go with your first impression. So I went, okay. Um, I went with a Neanderthal man and I am so glad I did. So what was going on with him is uh, he's walking through the forest with these massive trees. He comes to his family group, not too many people, maybe a dozen people, and they are ill, they're sick, they're dying. Some of them have already died of some illness. And he's like the leader of the group and he feels great responsibility and self-assigns, he's gotta do something. So he self-assigns himself to go risk his life to climb to the top of this rocky crag where there's a spring with sacred water. And he's going to bring some of the water back and heal his family members. So I'm going with him, climbing, getting the water in this kind of bladder, going back down with him, going back to the family and everyone has died or is dying at that moment. And he feels like this super failure and like he just did everything wrong. And so I follow with him and he's follow, He's um, going through the, um, the giant forest by himself, full of grief and guilt. And he meets another Neanderthal family and they take him in. But a couple of years later, he's climbing and he falls, he hits his head and he dies. So I find out that in his original death, he did not go into the light. Even though the light came for him, he felt he did not deserve it. And his spirit, his soul has been traveling full of grief and guilt all this time in this prehistoric forest. But this time I'm with him and I go, we're not doing that. We're going into the light. And I go with him up to the light, up into the light and into the afterlife space, between life space. And there is his family waiting for him and they're thrilled to see him they love him and they hug him and they're so happy and he's crying and I'm crying and um they say where have you been we've been looking for you and and uh anyway the whole thing was a wonderful healing for me because I had been wondering why I felt so overly responsible for people in my family uh for things that I had no control over and yet I felt this terrible guilt and responsibility like I had somehow uh, caused them to happen and I had to solve them and fix them for other people who were total grown-ups and living their own life so I was relieved through this experience I got that healing for myself and it really showed me the power 
of uh, the past life regression healing process. Oh, that's fascinating. And so that was just with an audio uh, program, an audio recording of mine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then actually maybe, and, and then we actually did, and you had sessions, you then went on to become uh, a student and a practitioner of these modalities and had uh, swap sessions with other students. We also had a series of sessions together as well. Yes. And, and so all of this uh, helped to uh, process a lot of things that had happened in your life. Mm-hmm. clear clear up possibly some blocks or some things like having a tremendous inappropriate excessive sense of responsibility is like not helpful if you want to be a healer but by resolving that then it clears the pathway and you can go from having a lot of amazing personal experiences and personal healings but as a consequence of that you become able to become a really skillful therapist so can you tell us a little bit about what is your overall approach so what i have been doing for quite a while now is um I start almost every session with an age regression because the things that are happening to us now in our lives, they're like right in our face and they give us a good oomph. They give us energy um, and it helps to find a um, past life that has information uh, that will enlighten and relieve the present life problems and pains and frustrations. And so most of my sessions now have both age regression and past life regression. And there are some people who have a handle on what's going on in this life and they understand the the themes that are shown in the past life. And it seems to help to get an even broader overview by going into the between life space. So I use all three of those regression therapies pretty consistently in my practice with individuals. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, for me, They all three of those really go so hand in hand and, and almost inseparable. So I think a lot of people do past life regression, maybe don't emphasize or do much age regression. I think it's really helpful to do that. So that's part of my emphasis and, and, and teaching. And I find that when people do that, uh, they often start not necessarily being that interested in it, but once they do get into it, they start to really appreciate it. And then someone with a spiritual bent like yourself, uh, between lives as a kind of an advanced form of past life regression, and you can really get into some of those spiritual messages. So do you think that's partly because of the kind of clients that you work with? Would you say they're spiritually inclined or? They tend to be, yeah. Um, not all of them, um, but m- Probably most of the people I've worked with have been what I would call spiritual seekers. They're looking for an understanding. They're looking for a way to bring healing and light um, and connection uh, between all beings, not just in their own lives, but uh, maybe their own lives as, as, as a reflection of a healing that can be have a ripple effect through existence. Now I guess we can talk about some specific case studies because you've got some pretty interesting and intricate stories yeah. which I think a lot of people would be interested in. So within that you'll be able to tell the story but you'll also be showing the process and the therapeutic steps you took people through. So I think a lot of people will find that really interesting. So have you got uh, an example of a particular client to share with us? Yeah, yeah. I thought the first person I would talk about, I'm calling her Christina, not her real name. She's a married professional woman in her 40s. And she came to me 
um, because she had this sense of that she was missing out with her mother. She really wanted a strong emotional connection with her mother and it just wasn't there. Um, uh, she would see other women with their mothers, you know, at a cafe and, and it, it always, she always saw them everywhere she went, there they were, and here they were having a wonderful time together and she just wasn't having that same uh, experience. So she came to me hoping that we could find a way to bridge that for her. And um, yeah, so she filled out the intake form and um, in the intake form, she referred to herself as a bad daughter so many times and uh, several times. And when I interviewed her, um, it turned out that she visited her parents. She drove an hour there and back every week. She'd visit her parents. She talked to them often on the phone. Um, she sounded to me like a great daughter. I asked her, well, specifically, why do you call yourself a bad daughter? And she really couldn't come up with anything. So that was an interesting start to our journey. We decided to do uh, three series, uh, three sessions of age regression. Uh, so just events in this lifetime. She actually didn't really want to do past lives and she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to go into a regression, but she did lovely. So in the first uh, session, she re-experienced that she just adored her dad and was disappointed in her mom um, her mom was always remote and unavailable. She had this regression when she was about 12 and she was alone outside in front of their house. And the, there was a lot of street work going on and there was a big trench with a giant pipe, but everyone had gone home, all the adults were cooking dinner or whatever. And she knew she wasn't supposed to, but she just climbed in that pipe and she walked along the pipe and she was singing the Who song. See me, feel me, touch me, heal me. And that was like so emblematic of what she wanted from the adults in her life, um, particularly her mother. And she regressed to a time when she had broken up with her boyfriend and was in tears. And she was in her bedroom and she wished that her mom would come in and ask her what was wrong and talk with her about it, but her mom didn't. She never forgot her disappointment that her mom didn't come into her for that particular time. Okay, so actually, so this is all in the first session. Yes. And you're going back to some, some just these tiny little moments are so interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and then symbolic, so this often comes up songs, the lyrics of them can be, you know, lyrics are just there to really carry the tune, but sometimes they really resonate and they can, they can tell a story and just these little things that people think are not that significant, but she's in her room and then it's just that even, it's not, what did her mum do? It's just like what she didn't do. She just, she wasn't she even there. She was in there. the house. She was in the house, but she didn't come into the room to see what was wrong with her daughter. Yeah. And this and will, we'll understand more about the mom as we go along. Exactly. So, so this is just a nice first age regression where you're touching on some pretty yes. symbolic and interesting things. You're still wondering, like, where does this go and what does it really mean? But that's when we get into the second session. So what happened next? Yes. Yeah, so in the second session, uh, she regressed to a family dinner. Her dad was being intimidating, I would say abusive, specifically to the mom, but really to um, her as well. Although we didn't point anything at her, but he was just being... Uh, knocking things off of the table and, you know, the kind of things that make you go, ah, 
So she left and went into her room and she remembered feeling that why didn't her mom do more to keep her dad happy? You know, what was wrong with her mom? Why wasn't she doing her part of the thing to keep dad happy? And, but she also noticed that neither the mom or the dad came in after her to see how uh, she was. So now in the third session, the grandmother for the first time shows up. So it's the mother's mother. And I discovered that the grandmother had married a, an abusive man who was abusive to her and to her children, including Christina's mom. The regression was to a birthday dinner. It was the grandmother's birthday and Christina like prodded at her and teased her for being old and would not stop. And it caused this big uproar. And Christina was like, well, why was I such a bad daughter? Why would I do that? But she realized that she felt that the grandmother had intruded very detrimentally on her life because of the way her mother had turned out. So we brought grandmother up to Christina's safe place and put her on the hot seat, so to speak. I invited Christina to tell the grandmother what she thought, her feelings about how the grandmother had made her life unnecessarily more difficult and unsatisfying emotionally. But Christina would keep telling me what she thought. And I kept having to redirect her, tell your grandmother, tell your grandmother. And I finally asked her, how did grandmother's behavior affect you? And it took her a few moments, but then she realized that she suddenly saw that when she had teased her grandmother, she was actually sticking up for her mother. And she suddenly saw that she wasn't a bad daughter. She was being her mother's protector. And then on, from that step, she took a step up to a higher, even you know, one more step higher and saw that her mother had been expending a lot of energy to not pass on to Christina the legacy of abuse that she had experienced from her father and her mother. And that it must have taken a lot of energy for Christina's mother to not be abusive and that she had damped herself down in order to not be abusive to her daughter. And so for the first time, Christina saw her mother in a heroic light. And as she was getting ready to leave that session, she said, I already feel closer to mom and that she was experiencing an overwhelming clarity about her family dynamics. So in the end, she got what she came for to feel closer to her mother but she expected the closeness to come from her mother to her, but found that in reality, the closeness came from her to her mother. And she did check in with me a few months later and she said that their relationship was becoming warm and they were going on walks together and spending time together. And she was very, very happy with the uh, results of our sessions. That's a wonderful story and very indicative. I think it's very relatable. I think a lot of people have stories like this and it's so interesting. You know, the, the, my first observation was the, in the first session, it's like the mother's not even there and we're sort of criticizing her for the things that she's not doing. <laughs> and, but then she comes to a, a maturity in the end where we praise her for the things that she's not doing. We criticize her for not being perfect and so helpful but we can praise her for not acting and repeating a pattern of being damaging. So she, if she'd come into the room, likely she would have repeated negative patterns, but she restrained herself from that. So not doing anything was the best that she could do. As a child, that's fair enough. 
as a child to expect the adult to be the adult in the room and do the right thing. But once she becomes the adult, it's more about, you know, what you can do for them rather than what they can do for you, which yeah. is a, a wonderful reframe. That kind of pattern comes through many, many times uh, where people have this hurt child, but then connect with their own sort of their adult self. And they can act as an adult rather than a, a child that's still got all these lingering things. So that's a really great example. And that's all age regression. Yes. That shows a lot of the power from it. And did you actually ever do any past life regression with her? Or had she been interested in it in the, at the beginning? She's not interested in it. She's happy with what she got. That's what she wanted. And a, a lot of times people will come to you and say, I've got this issue with my mother. I want to go back into a past life and figure it out. And you, and you can go, oh, okay, that may well be true, but we should also do some age regression first. And then you go, and at the end of it, they go, well, actually, I don't really need to do past life regression. Age regression figured out so much stuff and reframed it and switched it, and, 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 and that, that's it. So I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd said she wanted a whole lot of past life regression, but then after the second session, she forgot all about past life regression and was mm -hmm. completely resolved. Or you could have then gone on and done a couple of more sessions and found out you know, the, 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 there'd been this other reframe, this switch where whatever she did to me in this life, I'd sort of done the same thing to her in a past life and it all balances out. And now we're both mature in that way as well. So it can go either way. But, but what you've described here is a beautiful example of a three session process of hypnotherapy that uh, resolves a lot of issues. And even though we're past life therapists, doesn't mean we have to do past life regression exclusively all the time. We're just regressing to the past and doing whatever works to fix it. And, and there was your beautiful therapeutic resolution. So there's another client uh, that, that you've got with a similar case. Mm -hmm. So uh, I believe it's, you've named her Shannon. So can I've you tell us? I've named her Shannon. Mm -hmm. Okay, not a real name, but a, a good example. Uh -huh. So can you tell us a bit about her? She's a divorced professional woman in healing, in the healing professions. Uh, she's about 40 and the mother of two daughters. Um, she, uh, went through a divorce three years prior and her two daughters decided to live with their father in a foreign country. She had her own ideas about, uh, the dad, um, seducing them with money and all this kind of thing, but whatever that was about, uh, they were not even communicating with her at this time. And she had some important decisions to make in her own lifetime, but she was so full of pain and guilt from her daughters rejecting her that she could barely think straight. And she really did want past life regression and she, uh, like I say, she'd done other healing work. So. Sorry, can I just ask how old are her daughters at this time? She's 40, but uh, these, these daughters that decided to live in a foreign country with their dad, how old were they? Her daughters uh, were 11 and I think 14 when they left three years ago. Okay. You decided on some past life regression with her. We did four sessions. The first two were uh, open-ended. I didn't direct them to the daughters because um, that's not generally how we do it. We let their subconscious lead the way. She has a very strong contract with indigenous people, especially in the time when uh, white people were taking over and all these terrible things were happening with diseases and people being killed and she would cry copious tears. So she had made a contract that seemed to reverberate through these different lifetimes to protect at all costs. This contract was involved with her relationship with her daughters. So when we did the third session, uh, she chose to go to the older daughter. What she experienced was being a novice 
in a goddess temple and her daughter was the head priestess. And she had been brought there against her will. Uh, she preferred to be like in the wilds. She didn't want to be in this temple situation that was very disciplined and orderly and you do this and you do that. She didn't think it was necessary. Uh, but, so she went to this moment where she arrived at the temple and the daughter head priestess was at the top of these steps looking perfect and beautiful and she just felt like a mess. She resisted, she resented being there. Uh, she wanted to be in the woods. She wanted to be on a farm with uh, the animals and the plants and she resisted. This is her speaking priestess lineage which is beautiful and powerful and teaching me about wisdom and magic but the emotional connection is sidelined and eventually arrived when the daughter head priestess was old and needed a uh, replacement and Shannon was identified as the replacement and she said she could see the cracks in the head priestess's beauty and she was no longer perfect and Shannon was beginning to be able to have a compassion for her but she definitely stepped up her compassion when she began to be groomed for the role of head priestess herself and she recognized that there was this weight of responsibility that had made the head priestess seem cold and distant. And she could now recognize that the head priestess was doing, was contorting her own real self in order to have this perfect persona out of love because it was her way of protecting the temple and the priestesses uh, because the people in the countryside expected her to be the goddess incarnate and therefore she had to be, you know, as perfect as possible. So she was constantly watching herself. So she saw a direct parallel to her elder daughter today in this life, that she still carries this quality of aloof, aloofness to maintain an illusion of perfection. And she had tears streaming down her eyes and she said, how can we help her? Well, I knew it wasn't our job to help her daughter. Her daughter wasn't present. We don't even, I don't even know if she wanted our help. I would guess that she probably didn't want our help, but I didn't want to say, no, we're not going to help your daughter. I suggested we do something else first. And I had the sense that going into a between lives experience would give Shannon a wider view of what was going on. In order to do that, we needed to go through her death in the past life, which was not something she'd ever done. And she had some trepidation about it, but I told her she could watch it from a distance and we would just describe it. We would just talk about it and it got easier and easier. She noticed that she died of ritual fasting, just eating less and less all the time until she just, her body, she was just ready to leave her body. Uh, she saw the room with the praying priestesses and the candles. She mentioned that she felt she had done her duty. There were people trained to take over and everything would be okay. And that done her duty is a phrase that repeats again a few times in the work I did with her. So she witnessed herself dying in that past life, rising up out of the body. And when she was done, you know, looking at everything and ready to leave, I asked her to look up and did she see a bright light? Yes. So I invited her to rise into the bright light, which she did. And there was the head priestess daughter to greet her and other bright beings. And she said it was, they surrounded her. It was very celebratory. 
you made it, you're here, you did good and got all kinds of acknowledgement for the intense lifetime she had just left. And then I asked her, well, what happens next? And she said, well, there's a path, a tiger, pink flowers. And then she said, it's all an illusion. It's all just light, but I'm seeing it like this because it makes me comfortable. So she followed the tiger down the path and she arrived at a pagoda where there was a Tibetan monk. And she said, there's all this golden stuff around him, but he's simple and humble. And she says, well, I wanna give it all to him. And she says to him, here you go. I did all this for you. This is all this treasure I got for you. I did for you, I did my duty. But he laughs and says, it's not for me. It was all for you. <laughs> And uh, I asked her to, to um, explain to him that she's on a quest to understand her relationship with her daughter better and to ask him for some insight, something that she may have missed, something that might illuminate her relationship with her daughter. And he gives her a shell with a flower in it. And she knows immediately that it represents the wisdom that she gave to her daughter, which was the earthly sensuous, emotional beauty she was missing and that this gift of earthiness she gave to her daughter in exchange for all the training and discipline that her daughter gave to her in her life as a priestess so they were exchanging this wildness for this ability to also be grounded and methodical and disciplined and so i suggested that she had received the answer to her question how shall we help her daughter she had already given her daughter what she needed. And then in the following session, when she came back, when we were talking to catch up, she said, I just want to be a mom, but I am the priestess. It just comes naturally. That was so cool to see. And this piece at the end that I've already given my older daughter what she needs, that was so healing too. This agreement completion. She gave me the priestess magic and I gave her earthly magic, super healing. So that's how she experienced our session with her first daughter. And now we did the younger daughter. Actually, can I, can I just ask you there? Yes. So this is a good example of someone's got a real life, this life issue with a daughter. And then we go into a past life and we see roles are kind of reversed. When it's your daughter, you're the senior. But in this case, she was the junior and the, 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 the daughter was senior to her as a head priestess, someone who passes on knowledge to the younger one. And she was a kind of unruly younger one who needed to be trained and tamed and, and brought into the system. So you get that role reversal. So that's, and so often when you get that, people go, oh, okay, I understand that our roles are reversed uh, and that all balances out and I get it. But in this case, you sort of figured out the general roles and the reversal, but she didn't really get the answer or see that as an answer. And in fact, it just raised another question. And that question probably wasn't a, a, a perfect question to ask. So instead of trying to ask that question, you took her into another modality. So it's a really great example of how a lot of times people will realize, oh, the roles were reversed, it balances out, past life regression solved it, done. But in this case, they're like, okay, well, we've still got a question. Let's go and use some between lines. Yeah. And so this is a great example where between lines were able to not only answer the question, but to to help you understand what you'd already learned in the past lives to make it uh, therapeutic and meaningful and for have her to figure it out, which she hadn't quite done. So is that, is that, is that, was that sort of your intent or does that seem right about how you decided to bring in some between lives? 
Yeah, I feel like I'm inspired to go a certain way. I don't necessarily know, oh, this is going to work because this is going to happen, but it just seemed like the right thing to do. And it turned out that whether right is the right word or not, it turned out that it was a helpful thing for her and she got what she needed from it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's great. Well, that, it, is a, it is really a good example of like, when would you start to do some between lives stuff when you're in a uh, past life session? And so between lives is actually quite interesting because sometimes you can think of, maybe you could do two or three past life sessions with someone and say, okay, that's interesting. Maybe we should come back for a fourth session and see if we go into some between lives. And that's one way to do it. But you absolutely can do it. You're in the middle of a past life session. You're thinking, this isn't quite the resolution I was looking for. I wonder if there's something more we could do. And typically we would often take people to a past life death scene and see how it all ends up. And so that's still kind of in the realms of past life. Well, it's certainly within the realms of past life regression. But then you go through and get into these extra between lifey layers. And then that does get you to this resolution uh, that, uh, that, that we're looking for. So sort of it's a nice way where you can have a portion of your past life session in a uh, more in a between lives realm. That's a really good example of how that can integrate with, uh, with past lives. And so did that mean now that uh, the daughters were still separate in this other country and she was yes. now day to day kind of at peace with that and okay with it? She's, the problem is still there. My daughters aren't here. I miss them. And that hasn't changed. But the way she feels about it has. Is that right? Well, yes. So I have the whole story of what happened with her second daughter. Okay. Yeah. But yes, at the end of that, she really found some really good insight. Okay. Well, let's, let's, have, let's hear about the second all daughter. All right. I'll then. try to not okay. make it too long. I love stories. So I get into all these details. We went into a couple of past lives and she did see her daughter as someone that she meant to protect but couldn't protect um so it was falling into that indigenous lives she is a, a white woman but she has all this identifying with these her past lives of being in indigenous groups actually can i just ask about that i think the indigenous culture you're referring to is polynesian culture well she had hawaiian native american that was coming from a number of cultures but similar lessons Yes, similar lessons, exactly. How did that relate to the second daughter? One of the things that I really love about doing regressions is, especially at first, they're kind of like uh, you're doing detective work. Yep. So in this particular uh, regression, before she knew where she was, who she was, anything about it, she just felt enraged, so angry that tears were streaming down her face and she wasn't even, like I say, seeing where she was and but the words that came out of her mouth was the greatest insult for a polynesian man is to not be able to protect his people i'm this badass fierce hunter of the deep seas there's missionary shaming going on people being put in dresses people getting killed dying through murder and diseases and she felt like in this lifetime she was a, a warrior who had failed to protect his people and the younger daughter was one of the girls in the dresses and terrible things that happened to her. That's what we got from that life. So we went into another life. So sometimes in a past life, you just can get so far. And then to further the story, you have to go back and go through the tunnel into another life. So that's what we did. And this one turned out to really have some answers for her. So she says that in this life, 
she and her younger daughter are both men, we're like brothers. They're carrying spears on horseback, painted horses, connected in male brotherly love. We have each other's backs. We really feel each other. We stole the horses and we took them back to this place and now we're resting and celebrating. And so then we went to the next uh, significant event in that past life and the younger daughter in this life, the brother, died of an arrow through the heart. And again, I didn't protect him. She felt as if she had an arrow in her heart and she recognized that she'd been carrying this feeling of an arrow in her heart all the time. He says, what do I do? Take out the arrowhead? It's like a big spear. What do I do with it? And it's like a warrior can still fight with a spear inside him, but when he takes it out, he can bleed to death. She says, but the spear also represents an agreement. And it's my agreement that I'm going to keep doing the same thing over and over, this failing to protect. So I asked her who the agreement was with. She said, not with my daughter, with myself. So she realized that it was a self-assignment like my Neanderthal man. So we did at that point a breaking the bonds of time. It's a process where you recognize that you do not have to continue to bring the residue of things that happened in a past life with you into the present life. And if you've brought them, maybe there's a reason for healing. Usually there is, that's why you brought them. But sometimes you just have to recognize that what happened before happened before that and, and kind of just like seal it off so that you aren't like dragging all this baggage with you everywhere you go. How's that for a description? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, and that is a key uh, resolution. And so sometimes, you know, there are things from our past that are weighing us down and hurting us. And so we know that that's having a negative detrimental effect to her these days. So as the mother, she's carrying this guilt towards, you know, they were, she was this mother and daughter we're talking about, but they were brothers and she felt guilty for the death of the brother. And she can bring that guilt in and that can infect negatively her relationship as when they're now mother daughter. So absolutely. Uh, on one hand, we we don't want to just like seal it off and pretend it wasn't there. Then it's sort of like sweeping it under the rug. But what by doing past life regression, we're looking at it, seeing it for what it is, and then making a decision. Because it, before she wasn't making a decision. It was just there weighing down on her, hurting her, and she didn't know about it and couldn't have an intent towards it. But now we can look at it and say, this is part of the problem. Now what am I going to do? Am I going to push it back down, not understand it, keep it under the rug, let it weigh me down, trip up over it all the time? Or am I going to look at it, know what it is, work through it, dissolve it, move it off into the past, put it into the garbage and be done with it? And so by bringing it up and then deciding what to do with it. So she's unconsciously deciding to keep it for the last hundreds of years. And now she's con and not even really knowing it was there. Now she's consciously seeing it and consciously deciding what to do with it. And, and this is the difference between regression and therapy. You could regress to that time and say, oh, this is, we have this bad relationship because of this thing in the past. And then you, if you don't, and that's just regression. If all you do is remember, oh, now I know why it's there. Sometimes just remembering it can automatically resolve it, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, like I know what the cause is, but I don't know what the solution is. Well, part of the solution is to go through a process of breaking the bond of time with it, saying that is in the past. I don't need to have that with me and infecting me and damaging my relationships. So then there is another layer of therapeutic resolution that you do. So you use some breaking the bonds of time 
Did you do some cord cutting or anything like that? Any other therapeutic tools to... We did cord cutting later. After the breaking the bonds of time, we brought the daughter uh, into her garden, the spirit dimension, so that they could catch up to where they are now. And she asked her daughter some questions. She asked her uh, if she needed anything from her at this time. And um, so I was quiet while she listened to her daughter talking. And then she told me, she doesn't want me to protect her. She wants me to leave her alone. All this protecting has kept her weak, unable to fully develop, like something pushing down on top of her, hindering her growth. She did not want me to protect her, doesn't want me to protect her. It was my own impulse. But she said to her daughter, how can we connect? And she told me that her daughter said, we are, we are connected. I just need space to grow into my power. Leave me alone and I'll come to you when I'm ready. I know you're there. That's a wonderful thing, uh, by the way, to realize that because we could decide that, oh, you know, the resolution must be the, do we sh the daughter should get back on a plane and be with her mother. Uh, and if that happens, then everything's fine. Or or that the, the, the brother should have protected his other brother from the arrow. And it's, it's, and it's a bad thing that the brother got killed. Maybe it wasn't. We can't assume that anything is necessarily bad. And that's part of the problem. Like we're, we're saying, you know, oh, there's a bad thing, but that bad thing shouldn't affect us now. Level, level A, level B, who says that's bad anyway? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was bad, maybe it wasn't. Maybe he should have protected his brother and he was negligent and his brother has a case against him and he should not have died. Maybe he needed to die. That was just all part of his karma. There's a whole bunch of other things going on. Maybe it's bad that the daughter's away. Maybe it's not. And so this whole thing about judging anything to be good or bad and then trying to fix it is something that you know intuitively sounds a bit unusual but this is the kind of wisdom that, that comes up and accepting things as they are. And so does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. She, she said right now, her daughter wants her to leave her alone. She says, that's the answer I keep getting that I don't want, Yeah. but they want me in their lives later. They want me to go out. And this is her own words, live a cool life and create cool stuff for myself. They want me to come back and impress them with what I created instead of me just hanging on them forever. Fantastic. So these were her own words. And um, then we did go into um, this right there. I mean, she got what she needed to know about her daughters. Well, I love that. Um, it's the answer I don't want to hear, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a, that's a really great. A lot of therapies can sort of indulge or, you know, like tell you what you want to hear. And uh, therapists can do it. We can do it. We constantly do it to ourselves, tell ourselves what we want to hear. But to have a wise and uh, spiritual intelligence give you the answer, whether it's what you, whether you like it or not, but it has a, a, a deep wisdom and love and compassion in it is part of the magic of this kind of healing. So uh, there's a great story uh, and a great resolution. Very nice. I had talked about cord cutting earlier and she really did not want to do it. So we hadn't at that time, but then she brought it up herself. Now she said, apparently cord cutting is necessary. And um, when is it appropriate to cut cords from your children? She's 14. Um, but for some reason, she really wanted to do that. So I suggested that she look for any connecting fibers in her 
anyone or anything else. Doesn't matter if it's ropes, chains, beams of light, whatever it looks like, we just see what, what's there and uh, notice which ones are old and outdated and notice how when you put your attention on them, one of the most fascinating things I found as a psychic healer is when you put your attention on something that's been stuck and painful for a while, suddenly it just kind of dissolves. It's like it just needed to be noticed. And once you notice it, it just dissolves away. So I suggested to her that that's how her cords could be handled. And that if, if any cord was, um, um, stuck, got stuck to, to bring that up and we talk about it. And so I thought it'd be cords to her daughter, but what she found was a crusty root cord, as she called it, also to her root, um, her first chakra, that has to do with my contract to protect the tribes. When I follow it, it ends in dust and tears of passion and everything. The tribes are dead. I failed to protect the tribes, just like I failed to protect my daughter and I was kind of going oh god are we going to get into all of this again but you know she needed to do this he was able to get free um, of this sense of this huge failure this huge ball and chain she'd been carrying with her of just being this massive failure on all levels around the whole globe yeah, that's really good. So cord cutting is interesting. And I think maybe your client uh, interpret it in one way. So when we talk about cord cutting, we're not talking about, oh, you feel overly attached to your daughters, you've got to cut the cords to release that attachment, then you'll feel better about them being overseas. It's not that at all. And they, they, they may for they then feel resistant towards it. Uh, and, and not, but that's, they haven't really understood the cord cutting is to remove the sense of being overprotective. So you cut the cord of, you know, I should have saved my brother. Maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't have. Even if you did, which is very debatable, it's gone. He's already died. You can't protect him who's already dead. Like, mm -hmm. let that go. So that's relating to the daughter as the past life brother. But it can even relate to the daughters in this life. But you're not cutting the cords of like releasing and letting your daughters go. You're cutting away your own neediness. Your need to protect somebody that doesn't really need uh, excessive protection and so the neediness is the excessive protection you can still be deeply connected to your daughters but uh, you want to also uh, do what they've asked which is just continue to do your own thing and then and you'll be able to reconnect with them at any time so you're not cutting them away and we're not asking to do that we're just cutting away the things that that are preventing you so by cutting away some of the cords that are connecting you to unhelpful things you're strengthening the cords of connections to the daughters. And if, and if she'd ever misinterpreted core cutting as sort of, you know, I have to, you know, have the daughters diminished in some way, it's quite the opposite. So does that make sense? Or is that what she ended up understanding? Yeah. That's what I'm hearing, you know, so she was able to cut the cords and, and to even had this idea, maybe it's got something to do with the daughters directly, but, you know, then she found out it was actually about, you know, her past, the, the feelings of protections, her old residues. And by doing that, Instead of lamenting, oh, my brother that passed away, stop crying about me. Just go on and be a kick-ass warrior and keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know, is what the brother would say. Don't sit there beating yourself up about what yeah. you should have done to save me as a, yeah. go on as a strong warrior, wipe away your tears and go kick some more ass. Don't cry about me. And, and that's kind of what the daughters are saying as well. 
I don't cry about we're not there. Just get on with your life, be cool, and we'll come back, reconnect to yourself, cut away the sadness and wait. And, and then so cord cutting releases something that's holding you back. And then it lets you move towards whatever is cool or powerful. And then that'll attract people back to you. So you never really cut a cord with a person, but you cut a cord with the, with the unhelpful, excessive emotions connected to them. And that distinction is really important. As I do hear people, people ask me, that they misinterpret cord cutting and say, oh, I can't cut away cords. Like I've got grief over my daughter who passed away. I don't want to cut the cord to her. It's got nothing to do with cutting the cord to her. It's cutting the cord to excessive unhelpful emotion that is affecting you negatively in your in the now. And they don't want you to have that either. So you're, you're never cutting away somebody. You're always still connected to them in soul groups or as a being. You're just cutting away your own inappropriate emotions, uh, which is exactly what's been demonstrated here. So you know, most yeah. people don't misinterpret cord cutting in this way, but it's just a good example here to be clear on it. So yeah, that's a really nice example. I feel very good about the results that the client got from these sessions. Now, nothing has changed in the external yeah. world. Yeah. But the frame with which she looks at it now gives her a lot of peace. And before she was, you know, in pain, saddened, demotivated, and you even said all of this was really dragging or preventing her from getting on with their life. And now the situation is exactly the same, but she can look at it and, and be motivated and inspired and, and free to, to, to do the things that she wants to do and move on positively and really strongly in her life. And that's all we can ask. And so that's, this is spiritual regression therapies are really helpful when you know, the, 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 there's an impasse in the situation. It's not going to change but it doesn't have to, the way you feel and think about it changes. And then that, that is the, the resolution. And there's also a patience there, which is a lot of times like I've got a problem. I'm in pain. I want it fixed yesterday and here. And so there's a, there's an inherent impatience often, you know, anytime we're in pain, we, our hands on the stove, we want to whip it off as quickly as we can. There she's able to say, I understand the situation. It'll resolve itself in time. And I can be at peace for this to, the circumstances haven't changed in the last three weeks, but I can be really at peace going forward in the next three, five, 10 years and, uh, and, and walk with peace and, and, and get to a place where it's circumstantially better as well, which is what it's likely would. And you, think, you can think of the alternative. If she had never done the sessions with you and if she just continued to be in pain and communicate pain to her daughters, then 10 years from now, her daughters might be off. Oh, you know, that kind of broker and we don't want to have anything, you know, it's just too hard to be around her versus, yeah. oh, wow. You know, she wasn't in our lives for some time. We made a decision. We grow up and mature by being in this foreign country. We come back and find she's grown and matured and moved on as well. And now we're really vibing and that yeah. that's all the difference. Um, and, you know, it's a massive you know, uh, positive life effect for her. So actually these sessions you've described, have you done those in person or were they online? Oh, um, actually the one with the lady with the daughters that we were just talking about, those were in person. Okay. Uh, but most of the sessions I've done are online. And um, I have to say, I actually prefer to do them online. I really enjoy how the headset makes my voice internal to them, their voice internal to me. And we create, I think it helps create a kind of alternative meeting place. And we're already in just an altered, uh, a different state, a, um, 
a spiritual place. I think it's easier to get there. I really actually prefer the uh, headset that you use when you're working on Zoom. Interesting. So we've gone through two amazing case studies. One of them was online. One of them was in person. And so what's the difference between the two of them? Not much. They're bo you both get the same results. <laughs> and uh, working online isn't just for millennial digital natives. So, uh, so you and I are both old school and mm -hmm. we have both adjusted and can do things online. And so I think that's, uh, it's really, really good to know. And yeah, in fact, and if you had the choice, you prefer online. So I think if yes, anyone, and I think that I keep saying this, but if, I think it gets less and less, but for anyone who uh, doubts or wonders if, you know, therapies are effective online, the kind of therapy that we do absolutely is. And so that's good to know. So if you're listening to Karen and thinking, wow, what amazing healer, I wish I could go to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Well, you can, you might, you could, if you want to, you could do that, but you could also uh, get her on Zoom. And so that's a, that's a, a really uh, great technology that the world's now picked up on it and is really working in our field. So that's been a real blessing. What can you tell us about what is doing this healing work taught you or given you? It's given me so much. I had occasion to look at the first intake form that I sent to you, Mark, when we were first working together. I was just bursting at the seams. Boy, I was just like needed. <laughs> I don't know what I needed, but I got it. And I just feel that um, I become so much more grounded in myself and um, present for my own life, kind of like what I am able to help my clients get for themselves is also what I've gotten. And I also feel that uh, every session, we create this altered state and it's a very spiritual healing, light-filled state. Um, it's very healthy. It's so wonderful. I feel great on the days that I have done sessions for people. The rest of my day is just exalted. I want to use the word exalted. It's kind of strong maybe, but it just feels like clear and lighter. So I love it. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we did meet, uh, was over a year ago and we did some personal sessions together and it is, it's really great to, to see the, the journey that we, we, you, you can be on yourself. And once you know that, uh, well, you can take other people on it. And actually, how did you find, so part of that process was we, we had sessions together and then there were sessions with some of the other fellow students, Past Life Awakening Institute students. So how did you find, what's it like to be part of that community? Did you find that was sort of a, an important part of the learning process? Oh, absolutely. Being able to exchange the role of um, client and therapist um, is wonderful. And of course, um, people who are drawn to this work tend to be very effective healers. So um, I got a lot out of the sessions, both the giving and the getting. Yeah, so in that process, how, how many sessions do you think you would have given and received? You would have, I'd be near like half a dozen, wouldn't it? That you've, that you've both, you've given half a dozen sessions as a kind of practice and you've received half a dozen sessions from people. Would that be about right? Oh, I think it's much more than that. It's been a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's great. And there's people out there if I really wanted to um, exchange, if I felt the need, like as a, a therapist, you want to keep yourself as clear as you can uh, so that you don't get hung up on your client stuff, so to speak. And so when I notice, oh, I really could use some help in dealing with facing this issue, whatever it might be, I'll text you and I'll say, I need uh, someone to do some between life work with me, but, and um, you'll connect me with someone who's a good match and then off we go. Okay. That, that's great. So that means that's a lot of sessions. So that's the great uh, part of the course. You pay for the yeah. course and you get the training yeah. and then yeah. I mentor you through the sessions and you, well, most people find, let's say two thirds of their clients themselves and one third of them uh, are, are matches that I make, or it could be 50, 50, or it could be two, two thirds of people that I match with. And then you've done like all the courses and, and the bundle. And so, yeah, so that is one thing I just, for people to understand if they do the training with me, that they will be able to give dozens of sessions to other people as practice, which is great to become a practitioner. You can receive sessions. The value there is enormous. Every time you get good sessions, you become a better therapist. And the more that you practice, you get better as well. So there are always people willing and able to give and receive. So that's a huge part of the offering of the Past Life Awakening Institute for our, our advanced certified therapist courses. Is there something you'd tell people who are interested in getting into healing work or are curious about the Past Life Awakening Institute? Well, what came to my mind, uh, I... In my past, I was a psychic reader and a healer. And at one point I stopped doing that because I didn't notice that the healings were lasting. And I, I'm sure there are great psychic healer, I know there's great psychic healer readers out there. But what intrigued me about the regression therapies is that people are getting their own information. So it's not me saying what I see. So it's not me seeing, going through my visual filters, going through my audio, um, my speaking filters, them hearing it, going through their filters. So it's not, it's an immediate, um, it's in their symbolic language, it's in within their experience, they get their information immediately. And so it's very digestible, so to speak. And it just is super effective. They don't lose it. They don't go, oh, that was wonderful and walk out the door and it just falls away because they haven't been able to make it their own and internalize it. And this regression therapy is just wonderful for allowing people to get their own information. And it's so empowering. You also mentioned when people think about uh, hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and that's sort of the foundation of how we do this regression. And people often have a lot of interesting ideas about what hypnosis is. Yeah. Really. And so yeah, what was, what I, was I didn't think of it as a spiritual state at all. When I first hypnosis, it was like, isn't that, you know, when you're trying to lose weight or that kind of thing. And, uh, or when somebody's trying to make you do something that you don't want to do, but they want you to do, that's what I thought hypnosis was about. And, but I'm finding that it's very much 
like a journey state. Um, it's very much like the state a psychic reader gets in. It's very much like a deep meditation. And it doesn't even have to be deep. It can be very light and still be very effective. You get the information you need. That's fantastic. So it's good to know you can work online as well. So I presume that you then have a website. So if people are listening to this and thinking, wow, Karen sounds great. I want to know more. Where, where can people find out more about you? I do have a website and it's goldensunhealingwest.com. And I actually also have a blog where I tell more of my stories, my um, spontaneous spiritual experiences. And that blog is called ordinarypsychic.com. And they're interconnected and my email address is there. Okay. So if you resonate or connect or are curious about some of these things, uh, follow up and look at her website and blogs. And uh, are you able to do online sessions? So if people can contact you, are they welcome to contact you to do past life between life hypnotherapy type sessions? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. I'd so, love it. <laughs> great. And so I, I recommend Karen. She's an excellent practitioner. So if you're interested and in, in resonate with what she said, uh, if you connect with her and have sessions, it's a wonderful experience. So thank you so much for all that you've done. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Mark, so much. Thanks for listening or watching. To find out more about my guest, see the links in the description for details. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in hypnosis or hypnotherapy or regression to this life, past lives, between lives or spirit releasement therapy, then visit my website, thepastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Thanks so much for watching or listening and see you next time.